bless his name. All right, I'm going to preach to you today from Joshua chapter 1. Our theme this year is the theme of faith, and this is a, a message in that, in that line. Um, the Bible tells us that Esther lived in the time when the Persians were ruling over Israel. And the king had taken Esther as his wife, and Haman had made a plot to destroy the Jews. Esther finds out about it, and Mordecai comes to her and says, Look, uh, uh, you need to go to the king, and you need to, to talk to him on our behalf so that we can protect ourselves and, and, and be delivered from this, this terrible thing that is going to come our way if, if he doesn't intervene. And she's reluctant to do so, because if you go to the king without being... Uh, summoned, your life is at stake. I mean, if he doesn't lift out the scepter, you die. But Mordecai said to her, Esther, perhaps God has sent you to this moment for such a time as this. I'm convinced that it's no accident that you are here today, that I am here today, that we live in the time in which we live, in the circumstances in which we live. I believe God has a purpose for us as his people to fulfill. Perhaps God has brought you to this situation, to this country, to your family for such a time as this. You know, true meaning and purpose is found in doing the will of God. Everything else we do, God gives us many things to enjoy in this life, and there are many things to enjoy. But, true, deep fulfillment comes in doing the things that honor God. Now, in one sense, you can do everything you do, whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God, Scripture says. But God has given us a purpose and a role to fulfill. And as we fulfill the purpose and role for which He's made us, not only do we have meaning and purpose, but we achieve an eternal accomplishment. Isn't that an amazing thought? To be able to make a difference, you and me, to make a difference for eternity. Joshua is entering into a new season of life. He has been ministering to Moses, as the scripture puts it. He's kind of been Moses' sidekick. Uh, he he uh, prays and, and helps and just does whatever Moses decides needs to be done. But now Moses has died, and he has passed from the scene. And God told Moses, I want you to appoint Joshua. And the people knew that, and, and Moses uh, had told Joshua that. But now God is talking specifically to Joshua. And he's saying, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. This is my purpose for you. And Joshua is going to enter into one of the significant times in Israel's history of their entering into the land of Canaan and the fulfillment of God's promises. And it's an amazing thing. Now, this was no light task. Uh, God called them to cross the Jordan. That in and of itself, uh, I did a little research this week. Most of the pictures you see of the Jordan River today, it looks like a creek you'd see in Tennessee, okay? Uh, 
you've got to understand something. 70 to 90 percent of the Jordan River has been dammed up and sent into the land of Israel for irrigation. A lot of people don't know that. Also, uh, the Yarmouk, which is a tributary that goes into uh, the Jordan, uh, it also has been dammed up by the people of Jordan. So that, and there's another dam in, in progress, I understand, that the Syrians and, and the Jordanians are working on uh, that may bring that down to a trickle. So uh, the Jordan River that you see today is not the Jordan River that was there at that time. Uh, also, uh, the Jordan River in many places has very dangerous steep banks and uh, we're told uh, that uh, in some places the Jordan River is 100 feet deep, even today. Uh, so uh, you kind of get just maybe just a little bit of a feel of what Josh is being he's saying, go across the Jordan. But he's also being called to face the Canaanites. Now, the first generation of the Israelites, they saw these Canaanites, they said, these guys, uh, it's like a, a nation of Shaquille O'Neal's. I mean, these guys are huge. How are we going to deal with these guys? And um, they were afraid and they refused to trust God. And God sent them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died off and a new generation arose that he could bring into the promised land. And this is where Joshua comes onto the scene. Many times in Israel's history, God would send a leader to the people, and the people wouldn't listen. But in Joshua's case, God has sent Joshua to a people ready to take the next step and enter into the land. Very, very significant what God is doing in his life. We need to fulfill the purposes of God for our lives through the power of the Spirit. The title of my message is Fulfilling God's Plan for the Coming Year. But really, it's not just the coming year. It's for your future, right? Because this never stops. Fulfilling God's Plan for the Coming Year. Now, look at verse 1 of Joshua chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now... You and all the people prepare to cross the Jordan, or rise up to cross the Jordan to the land that I am giving the Israelites. Fulfilling God's plan for the coming year. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to trust God's timing. We need to trust God's timing. If you look at verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead now. That's a very significant word may not seem very significant when you just read over it. But for Joshua, it was very significant. He was one of the two spies that gave a good report when the first generation was supposed to go into the land. And he had waited for 40 years as he saw person after person. We're told, based on the number of Israelites in the wilderness for that generation to pass away, every day for 40 years they had three funerals. Think about that for a second. Can you imagine? I remember having, I had three funerals one week once. That was a tough week. Can you imagine? And Joshua has seen this. They're wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. God says, now get up and go in. Very, very significant. The Lord's timing. Trust the Lord's timing. Sometimes we get ahead of the Lord. 
get ahead of the Lord and we try to do something in our own strength. So we don't need to do that because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Other times, we're behind the Lord. God is saying, I want you to step up, go now. But we're behind him. We're unwilling to follow. Instead, what we need to do is trust the Lord's timing. Now, what is it that God is calling you to do? I believe God is giving us some things in his word that that show us some things that we need to be doing right now. In Solomon's day, God told the Israelites that they would be judged for sin. Solomon was predicting that in the future. He's saying, look, there's going to be a time where you're going to be judged for sin, and you're going to be carried away into captivity. But I'm going to tell you something. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Isn't that a great promise? I believe America is under God's judgment right now. And I'm going to tell you something. The hope for America doesn't lie in the elected officials. The hope of America lies in the church. If my people, who are called by my name, right now is the time for God's people to humble themselves. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. We call upon you. We ask for your intervention because there is no other hope apart from Jesus Christ. Now is the time to pray. We need to be praying for our country. We need to be praying for our families. We need to be praying for one another in this body of believers. Now is the time if they will seek my face. Listen, I'm going to tell you, now is the time to seek God's face. Many people are seeking all kinds of things in this world. But they're not truly seeking God's face. They may show up to church. They may go through the motions occasionally of doing something for God. But truly, their heart does not have a desire for God or the things of God. They're not seeking God's face. They're consumed with other things. Now is the time to seek God's face, and we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He helps us to seek His face and turn from their wicked ways. Well, I don't know of a better message for our country than, than that message. Turn from their wicked ways. We are in wickedness in our country right now. We have embraced sexual perversion, homosexuality, and uh, marriage is something that is just considered, uh, well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Uh, we don't really care one way or the other. Uh, people, people live together. I, listen, I, I learned a, a few years ago, when someone would get saved and would come into our church, I would need to, to, to let them know God wants us to be married. If you're living together, God wants you to be married. Because people just don't know that. I mean, it is so foreign to our culture. So great is the wickedness in our culture that we don't know our right hand from our left hand. We're murdering babies in the womb. 
We're, we're talking about putting elderly people to death because they can't do the society any good. Listen, I'm going to tell you, that is a wickedness from the pit of hell. And we need to turn from it as a nation. One of the saddest things is that often God's people approve of the very wickedness that this world is engaged in. Turn. Now is the time to turn from our wicked ways. Turn from our pornography. Turn from our adultery. Turn from our lukewarmness to the things of God. Turn before it's too late. We can't just play church, or we may not have a church. In Ephesus, he told them, you've left your first love. Have you left your first love? Turn back to the Lord today. Now is the time. Trust God's timing. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you, you don't say, well, I, I need to wait till I get, get more information. Well, you do need to have adequate information, but we'll be happy to provide that for you today. Uh, you say, well, you know, I need to wait until I'm ready sometime later on to be saved. No, now is the day of salvation. Now. Take the step while you can. Trust God's timing. Now, some of you, God may have been dealing with you about something you're supposed to do in your life, and you've been resisting it. Now is the time to obey God. Trust His timing. If you're going to fulfill God's plan for this year and for your future, it begins in trusting God's timing. Secondly, follow God's direction. Look at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan. God is giving Joshua specific directions. We fulfill the purpose of God when we follow his specific directions for our lives. Did you know God has put you where you are for a reason? In the family that you're a part of? In the church you're a part of, the workplace or people that you do leisure activities with, you are there not just as a person fulfilling those roles. You're there as an ambassador for God. As you follow God's direction, God will use you. I remember... Um, I, I was doing a, a special detail, and if some of you who are in the military know what I'm talking about, I was doing a detail, and I was, I was with some, some different guys, and, and uh, we had a job where they would call us, and we had to be there, we had to be available to be called uh, to go pick something up. But in those times where we had nothing else to do, he said, you can, you can bring a book or you know, just do whatever you want to do. Uh, we played... Uh, uh, dominoes and did different things like that. You say, well, boy, that's the life. Well, I don't know. But it, it was, uh, that was what we did. But I remember, I just, I just uh, thought, well, you know what? I'm going to read the scripture. And so I, I got in there. I was just reading my scripture. And uh, one of my coworkers said, uh, what are you reading? I said, uh, it's the Bible. And he said, oh, really? He said, you're, you're a Christian. 
and I got into this discussion with him. And then, you know, it was amazing. And, and God just kind of opened the door just to a simple action that I took. Um, sometimes God may lay upon your heart to ask somebody about something or to invite them to church or whatever the case may be. As you follow God's direction, you'd be amazed at what God can do through you. I love Andrew in the scripture. Uh, Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. You know, Peter was the one that kind of was leading everybody, you know, and, uh, you know, after Jesus got left the scene. Uh, and uh, James and John were the sons of thunder. They were kind of in, uh, very prominent. But Andrew was kind of in the background. But Andrew just kept bringing people to Jesus. <laughs> That's the best thing you could possibly do, is to bring somebody to Jesus. He was obedient to God and using his gifts in his situation as God desired him to do it. And God greatly used him. Follow God's direction. Now, for Joshua, God says, cross the Jordan. This is what I want you to do. This is the task I've given you to fulfill. And so, uh, he's called to fulfill it. You know what I found? When God gives you a task to fulfill, and you step out in his timing in obedience to fulfill that task, God will provide what you need, the power you need, and the provision you need, whatever else you need to accomplish the task he's given you. And he did that for Joshua. Follow God's direction. So uh, fulfilling God's plan in the coming year, trust God's timing, follow God's direction. Thirdly, lead God's people. He says, now you and all the people. It wasn't just Joshua that was going to cross the the Jordan. It was Joshua and all the people of Israel lead God's people. Now you say, well, I'm not a leader. You might be surprised. Do you have influence over somebody? If you do, you're a leader. Everybody influences somebody, right? Maybe your friends or maybe a family member that you have Influence, but but as you use your influence for the things of God, you're leading other people. Um, I, I I had a friend in Texas who just he had the gift of faith, and he taught me a whole lot about how to just pray in faith. Uh, I'm still learning about that, but but uh, what a great influence he had upon my life, and it's an influence that remains to this day. Uh, some of you can think of a, a significant individual in your life, maybe that made an impact on you when you're growing up, or uh, perhaps has had an influence on you here in this church. Uh, and as that person has influenced you, it has made a difference in your life. Do that for someone else. Use your influence for God. Parents, your influence is so important for your children. Set a good example. Put God first in your life. Give to the things of God. Serve God. Uh, Show your children by your example that God matters to you. That's one of the most significant things you could ever do. So sometimes we, we may lead by influence 
But we can also lead by challenge, right? What did Jesus say to his disciples? Come, follow me. <laughs> right? What if you said, well, you know, I'm going to go out and do such and so this week. Why don't you join me? Now, they may, or not, they may say, are you crazy? I, I don't know. They may, <laughs> they, may, they may not respond in the way you think. But, but they, might, they might say, sure. And you go and you serve the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, that person's going to grow as they serve with you. That's leadership. Or come to Sunday school with me. Before we start having Sunday school again. Come to church with me. Come follow me. Great way to lead other people. Another great way to lead people is to teach them. Again, that's a very important role of parents. Parents were given the charge to teach our kids the things of God. Uh, fathers are given the challenge by God to be a spiritual leader in the home. How, do you, how are you a spiritual leader? Well, share with them what God's teaching you. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Uh, you, you know, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology to be a spiritual leader in your home. You just communicate with your family what God's doing in your life. That's a great way to spiritually lead them and to teach them. Also, uh, teach them some basic things. Once you learn about the gospel, teach them the gospel. If you're a child of God, you, ought, you should know the basics of the gospel. Teach your kids the gospel. Now, you can't make a decision for them, but you can t teach them what it's all about, right? Or teach them the Ten Commandments. I used to do that with my kids because they had such short attention spans. It was just one verse, and I could say, okay, what's, what commandment are we working on this morning? David shared with me uh, <laughs> A while back, he said, Dad, I used to be just bored out of my mind when you did that. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, but uh, I, I, would, I would have them repeat this verse until they finally got the verse down. And then we'd move on to the next one. And then we'd go and review them and so forth until they finally got those Ten Commandments down. Uh, so there's a lot of things you can teach your kids about the things of God. That's a great way to lead your kids and give them some values. And I want to tell you something. Our kids need values. The world we live in today is not teaching them those things. And so, um, also we can teach each other. Praise God. Guess what God did in my life this past week? Or guess what God showed me in his word this week? And as we share, that's great fellowship. But it's also teaching. And sometimes we're reminded of good things. That, what a great thing uh, to be able to uh, fellowship and hear what God is doing in the lives of other people. And it encourages us and it helps to lead us in the right direction. Leadership also sometimes will involve uh, listening when others are broken. Praying for them and supporting them in need. Okay, All these things... Help us in loving God's people, but also in leading God's people. Because someone said they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's why Jesus said the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. That is critical to leading others. Now, some of you will have a gift of leadership. If you've got a gift of leadership, it comes naturally to you. God's given you a Holy Spirit 
uh, endue it with power to lead other people. If so, be diligent in the use of that gift that God has given you. Some of you may be called to pastor and lead a church, but not everyone is. The point is not what you're called to lead. The point is, are you being faithful in the leadership that God has given you? You can make a real difference in this coming year if you're faithful to lead God's people. Pray for me as I do that as your pastor. So, fulfilling God's plan for the coming year. Trust God's timing, follow God's direction, lead God's people. Next, listen to God's plan. Look at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving to the people of Israel. What is God's plan? To give the land to the people of Israel. We fulfill God's plan as we listen to his plan. (laughs) Sometimes, have you ever done this? I try to fulfill my plan, and it's not God's plan. You know what I found when I try to fulfill my plan, and it's not God's plan? (laughs) I usually fall flat on my face. But when I listen to his plan, sometimes I may be scratching my head, how in the world, Lord, would you be able to accomplish this? Of course, he's God. He can accomplish anything. But, you know, in my humanness, I'll sometimes question. But I'll take that step of faith, and it's amazing what God does. God's plan was to give the land to the people of Israel. We know that. Now, God's telling Joshua this specifically, but God had also told the Israelites for generations that this was his plan. So, uh, it's not so much what is my plan, but what is God's plan for my life. Now, we find that in God's Word. We, f- we find that through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I followed God's plan, I believe, with all my heart when I came to this church. Okay, that was part of God's, God's purpose for my life. Uh, so, um, listen to God's plan. Now, this is important too, I think, when, we, when you talk about who you listen to. I'll hear, a lot of times I'll hear Christians quote some, quote, quote, expert. And they'll say, well, such and so says this. And such and so says this. Well, that's fine. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors there's safety. But If somebody is giving counsel that goes against the Word of God, it doesn't matter how many PhDs they've got. We need to listen to God. That's one one reason we're in the mess we're in. We listen to men rather than listening to God. People have been trying to tell us over the last generation how to raise our kids, and we've, we've bought into the lie of the world. Don't spank your kids. Don't don't discipline them and hold them accountable. Now, we shouldn't abuse them. But God says, he who spares the rod hates his son. He who disciplines him helps him to find life. We've got kids going every which direction. They have no discipline. They don't understand the word no. Because nobody's taught them. Why? Because we've listened to the world rather than listening to God. Same thing is true in in, uh, 
how we live our lives with our priorities, right? What, what's the most important thing? And the world will have one answer for that. God has a, another answer. What do we pursue in our lives? If we listen to the world, we'll pursue everything else the world's pursuing. If we listen to God, we'll pursue Him first above all. So who are we listening to? Uh, it's amazing to me, the quote-quote experts are often proved wrong after time passes. Somebody digs something out of the dirt in Israel, and, hey, they said the Hittites didn't exist, but now we know they were a major civilization. The Bible spoke about the Hittites. Our, our liberal theologians used to completely dismiss that. I mean, time and time again that has happened. I was reading a book this, this past week, and they were listing all of the different things that theologians who are liberal theologians had denied uh, and that people in the world had denied. They said, this is just not true. We find no evidence of this in history. And somebody digs in the dirt, and here it is. Yet again, the Bible's shown to be true. The same thing is true with philosophies, right? Now, we sometimes laugh at things that, you know, like, uh, well, Atlas is holding that world up on his shoulder like that, right? And we say, oh, how ignorant is that? We don't believe that nonsense. We, no, we believe something even stupider. We believe that everything happened by chance. That's stupid. I, I'm just going to say that. I mean, if you believe that, I'm not trying to be offensive. But when you see the complexity of DNA, I'm told that in a DNA, in a string of DNA, there's more information than in all the libraries and all the computers on the face of the earth that, that tells our bodies how to function. It's amazing to me. Our eyes are more complicated than any camera that has been devised by man, and yet we're supposed to believe that that came into to being by accident. That's crazy. You mean to tell me the best that men can do today is not as good as our eye, but chance is better? Why do we do anything? Why don't we just leave it all to chance? Well, the next, the next camera will come out. It'll be better, but it's all going to happen by chance. It's crazy. I'll tell you what makes sense. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what makes sense. But you see, the world says one thing. The Bible says another thing. God says another thing. And so we've got to decide who we're going to listen to. Listen to God's plan. Listen to God's word and God's instruction for your life. And it will make all the difference in this coming year. And finally, I want you to see not only... Uh, do we need to trust God's timing, follow God's direction, lead God's people, and listen to God's plan? We need to believe God's promises. He says, the land I'm giving the sons of Israel. Now, Israel was the name of Jacob. Remember, God, uh, God tells us how Jacob wrestled with the angel and he received a name change from God, which means he struggles with God. And um, this is a, is a reminder of where this plan came from. 
God said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give this land to you. But first, your descendants are going to be in a foreign land for over 400 years. And at the end of that 400 years, I'm going to bring them out. And I'm going to bring them to the land that I promise. And I'm going to give them that land. God told that to Abraham. He told that to Isaac. He told that to Jacob, also known as Israel. These are the sons of Israel. Can I tell you, God keeps his promises. He does. We need to believe the promises of God. Um, What are some of the promises God has given us? One I love is, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Another one is, I'll give you wisdom if you ask in faith. Isn't that a great thing? In the world we live in, we need wisdom, don't we? Ask God for it. Uh, What about this? He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness will be filled. Great promise. Delight yourself in the Lord. Find your delight in Him, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Great promise. Uh, Some of God's promises are conditional. If you do such and so, I will do so and so. One one of the great promises uh, that I love for God's people, if, if you know Christ today, is that Jesus is coming. That ought to be the perspective that we look at everything in this life. Through that lens. Jesus is coming. Can I tell you, in one instant of time, everything's going to change. We will go from the groans and the burdens of this life to, to a perfect peace that will never end. To a perfect joy that will never end. We will go from flawed human leadership to perfect divine leadership forever. Isn't that going to be great? There'll be no elections. Jesus will rule. We will go from a world that is cursed by sin to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells and sin cannot enter. Can you imagine? I don't don't even think I can wrap my mind around that. Talk about a great promise to live in a world where nobody ever does anybody else wrong. Can you imagine that? I guess there'll be no uh, litigation lawyers because nobody's going to be suing anybody else. It's going to be an amazing thing. Uh, what, what an amazing promise God has given us. And, and at any moment in time, in, in an instant, it could come. It might come today. That would be great if God inter- interrupted my sermon to take us home. I'd love it. Uh, and you think you enjoy life now. We've been given the down payment. Listen, I believe as a child of God, God gives you, he, he fills a void in your life and brings a meaning in your life that wasn't there. But it's just the down payment. He says we have received the earnest, the down payment of the Holy Spirit for the reward that's yet to come. Whatever enjoyment you have here is just a taste. I don't know about you, but when I made the down payment on my house, there was a lot more to come after that. That wasn't all there was. Listen, there's so much. The Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Was 2020 hard? 
death. That's light and momentary suffering compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. So believe God's promises. One of the things that helps us continue and persevere in the difficulties and hardships of life is to keep our hope and our eyes fixed on Jesus. That will help us fulfill God's plan for the coming year. What about you? Have you surrendered to God's plan for your life? You say, well, yeah, I did that when I was saved. I'm glad. Are you surrendered now? Have you said, Lord, I give you my life anew and afresh to follow you? And if you can't say that genuinely, ask God to change your heart. Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can genuinely surrender to him. And see what God will do in your life. What plans he will fulfill as you trust him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you too need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. But you also need to receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus gave all that we needed. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live ourselves because God requires perfection. He died the death we deserved at the cross. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. He died the death we deserved, took the justice of God. The Bible says that because of what Jesus did, we are justified. We're acquitted. It's a legal term. Jesus took our punishment for us. Jesus took the sentence of death for us. Jesus took all that we deserve upon himself. He bore the wrath of God. And he said, it is finished. And he hung his head and he died. And because of what Jesus did, you and I can be forgiven and have eternal life. But Jesus didn't stop there. On the third day, he arose. To show that he can give this new life he's promised. He is Lord over death and the source of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May we trust him. Receive that gift of eternal life. Before it's too late. If you'd like to receive that gift here in a moment. uh, When we close. I'm going to just be here at the front. And you feel free to interrupt me. If I'm working on something up here. I'm talking to somebody. Come hit me in the arm or something. Say hey I need to talk to you. Okay. Because uh, I want to make sure we get that settled for you. And you can leave this place. Knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Um, I can't think of a better way to start a new year. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word and thank you uh, for the hope that you've given us in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us surrender ourselves anew and afresh each day to you. Lord, if there's someone here today that needs to surrender themselves to be used by you this year, right now I pray that they would just call upon you and say, Lord, I surrender. Give me the grace to fully surrender my life to you and live for you this year and fulfill the purposes you have for my life. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that right now they would say, Lord, I surrender. I receive the gift of eternal life.
And Lord, may you 